millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. So every day they feed you with these abusive words. They want to make you feel like rubbish. But in all these situations, the grace of God was always with me. So I managed to handle it. Twen had been a Christian for only two years when she was arrested and imprisoned in Eritrea at the age of 21. She had no idea that she would spend the next 16 years locked away in the Eritrean prison system, simply for choosing to follow Jesus. Over the years, she suffered intense persecution, but by the grace of God, she survived violent beatings, isolation in scorching hot shipping containers, deprivation of food and water, and even being thrown into a pit of poisonous snakes. Hear her voice now, as we had the privilege of speaking to Twen after she was released from prison. Twen, it's such a privilege for me to be able to sit here with you now and ask you these questions. You spent many years in prison for your faith, facing horrors many of us will never fully understand. But before we talk about more about that, take us back to your childhood. What was your background and how did you come to faith in Jesus? First of all, I just want to thank you for giving me this opportunity because when we share the work of the Lord, it will help people to come to faith. So thank you. I am glad to share in this ministry. Um, my family are from a Catholic background. I was raised in the Catholic tradition. I attended the Catholic Church from my early childhood and I was comparing what was being said in the Catholic Church with what the Word of God actually said. And one day, the priest gave me a New Testament and he told me to promise him to read one chapter every day from it. So I tried, but I was struggling to read one chapter. Um, you know, sometimes I was bored, um, sometimes I was too sleepy to read one chapter every day, but I managed to finish the New Testament in the end. And then when I read the last chapter in Revelation, it read, if you add anything to this word, then you'll get punishment. And if you subtract anything from it, then you will lose your blessing. So when I read that verse, I realised there was a lot of additions in the Catholic Church, especially the way that we worship Mary and all the angels. And I just started to ask myself, why? Then there was another priest um, who was teaching from the scripture about the church of Laodicea in Revelation. 
and they were neither hot nor cold. So they were lukewarm, and God was going to spit them out. Uh, you know, God wants you to be hot or cold. And when I looked at my Christianity, putting myself in that word, I was lukewarm. Um, in the middle of that, you know, I was neither hot nor cold. And then the fear of God started to come in my heart. Then I said, God might spit me out. You know, I had that realisation. Also, another word from the Thessalonians um, book, Thessalonians. It says, look at everything and choose the right one. So I came to the conclusion that being a follower of any religion doesn't save you. That being a follower of Christ is the only important thing. And that is when I became a Christian. So before your arrest in 2004... You faced a lot of opposition from your family for leaving the Catholic faith. And you even spent a month in prison after you were spotted leaving a worship meeting at a house. During your first stay in prison, your dad came to see you to try and get you, to, try and get you out of there. How do you feel God used all of this to prepare you for what was to come? I was so happy when my father came to the prison because um, he said to me, I will allow you to do everything. I will give you your Bible, you can read it, you can do whatever you like. And I was just so happy. I was um, in that situation, I was just rejoicing. And then my father said to me, just say yes and get released. Um, and I asked him, well, what, what am I going to be saying yes to? And the prison officer said, well, you don't need to do anything. Just say you're not going to attend any meetings, but still you can continue with your faith. It's just a signature. Um, and the paper said, I'll not preach and I'll also not attend any meetings. And I said, but the word of God says, don't abandon your meetings. And then he said, oh, no, 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 it, you'll still be allowed to meet. The only thing you're not allowed to do is like these huge conferences and huge gatherings, but you're still allowed to meet like five or six people. And I said, well, what about preaching? You know, it says in the word of God, preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. And he said, no, 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 it doesn't mean you can't share your faith with a small group. It just means you can't preach in a huge crowd. And I said, oh, okay, if that's the case. And I said, yes. So my heart was filled with joy because my father would now allow me at home to read the Bible and so on. And I didn't look at the details of what I'd signed and what that meant. Um, so I signed it and I was released. And at that time, I was doing military service. I'd just, been, I'd just finished my military training and I'd been assigned a workplace. So they gave me this letter to take to my unit. And I was released on the Friday, so I went to the office with this letter on the Monday and I gave it to the person in charge. So when I gave him the letter, he said, OK, you've committed a crime um, of attending an illegal meeting, so you have to abandon your faith now and go back to your former religion. And I said, no, I didn't sign that. And then he gave me the letter... And when I read it, my heart was just filled with sadness. I was so upset. And then I walked out and I went home and I just knelt by my bedside and I started to cry. For me to 
to get my faith in Christ to come out of the Catholic faith, it was all such a big struggle. I remembered all of that struggle. I went to my room and I just prayed, I just asked for forgiveness and I just said I didn't understand the questions, Lord, please forgive me. And I just cried and cried. And then I started to think after my confession and prayers, I put my Bible in front of me in my mind and I pictured the papers that I had signed and I put that next to the Bible in my imagination. And because the, one of the fundamentals of my faith is from the book of Revelation to the church that was lukewarm, I had that in my mind. So I started to ask myself, okay, I have to now decide right now, either this one, the Bible, or the other one, the letter. I have to choose one. I cannot stay in the middle. I saw that the worst thing was being neither hot nor cold. The worst thing was being in the middle. And then I started to count one by one in my heart. I asked myself, am I really ready? Am I ready to forsake my father, my ill mother, my brother, my sister, my education, my job? So I started to ask myself, am I ready to forsake all these things, the things that I love most? And what about my life? It's the same as it says in the Gospels. If you want to follow me, he must forsake everything including his life and that verse came to my heart then so I gave myself the opportunity to decide if I would forsake these things in the scripture it says it's better for the heavens to pass away than for a small dot of the word of God to pass away there are lots of dots in the Bible. One of those dots is do not abandon your meetings. That's one of the small dots. So I'm not going to go against that. And I would prefer to die than to forsake the word of God. So that's the decision. I decided. And it gave me that power. It sustained me throughout my time in prison. So after that decision, I continued to work for about eight months, but inside I was just filled with joy and freedom. I was without any fear. And then that's why on the New Year's Eve I was arrested and because we were at a New Year's vigil where we were worshipping and praying for the New Year. Following this second arrest, Twen was taken to a prison in Mysawa near Eritrea's capital Asmara, where she spent nearly three years locked in a shipping container. This would be suffocatingly hot in the day and freezing cold at night. But here she learnt the value of Christian fellowship. She saw many Christians come and go, some renouncing their faith in order to gain their freedom. But Twen refused to follow that course. Among her fellow detainees was the gospel singer Helen Bahani, and the two became close friends. It's hard for us to imagine what prison in Eritrea is like. In just a few sentences, could you describe it for us? Uh, There's nothing good in prison. 
everything is painful. Food, water, there's no chance that you can get clothes. Especially the first few years when I was sick, I wasn't allowed to go and see a doctor. They always use abusive words, they try to belittle you, they try to break you, they mock, they make fun of you. So every day they feed you with these abusive words, they want to make you feel like rubbish. But in all these situations, the grace of God was always with me, so I managed to handle it. Living in that environment must have been so scary for you, and I I can't imagine the fear you must have faced daily. Could you tell us about a time where you were gripped by fear, but God helped you through it? The times that were especially hard was when I was on my own. It was too much. Um, One day when Helen Bahani had been released, I was lonely in the container, in the shipping container. It was too much for me. And after Helen was released, they thought, oh, now she's on her own. Uh, She'll say yes, she'll renounce her faith. So they started to put more pressure on me after Helen left. So they were trying to make my suffering really, really hard with all kinds of abuse. And then the interrogator called me and he started to interrogate me. And he gave me these two papers and he said, I will force you to sign one of these papers. And one of the papers said that I would abandon my faith. And the second said that no matter what, um, even if I have to die and sacrifice my life, I will keep my faith. So he said, you have to sign either one of these papers. And the one that said, even if I die, it's my responsibility, um, was the one that I signed. I signed that piece of paper. Then the one who was interrogating me said, I'll see you in the night. And at that time, I had that I signed the paper, I had full confidence because I know the word of God says that um, when brought to the authorities, you don't need to worry what you're going to answer because the Holy Spirit will give you the right words. So I thought that it was the Holy Spirit that guided me to sign that paper. So I had full confidence. But then when I went back to the cell and the words that they said were ringing in my ears, see you in the night, it just started to fill my heart. And I was just utterly scared and full of fear in the container. And it was cold at the night and it was hot in the day, but I just couldn't sleep. I was just waiting for him to come and to kill me. Even in the cold of the night, I didn't even put on a blanket. I just waited and waited and waited. But he didn't come. So at 2am in the morning, I I slept in the place that I'd been sitting. I'd fallen asleep. And then there was a bang on the door. And when that happened, that's the sound of someone opening the container. So I, I went to the window uh, to look to see what was coming. And it wasn't him. It was just some donkeys passing by. And then I saw myself. And I just saw that I'm nobody. That without God's grace, I can't do anything. Twen was moved to another prison in the hottest region of Eritrea. Here she was separated from other believers and suffered horrendous beatings and torture at the hands of the prison guards. She revealed to us how God sustained her through all of this 
and you can read more about that in our current Voice magazine. As we spoke with her, Twen shone with the grace of God as she shared stories of her imprisonment and those times that she suffered so much for Christ. How did you feel about the prison guards and those people who treated you so badly whilst you were in prison? And how do you feel about them now? One night when I was being beaten, God allowed me to look at my persecutors standing around me. And I thought to myself, so they are beating me, they're doing all these terrible things. What's going to be their end? And I started to think about them. And then I started to think about myself. I thought, I am suffering, I am in pain. What's going to be my end? So I started to think about both their end and my end. And then I realised my end will be in glory. And their ending is complete loss. So I started to pray for them. Please, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And from that night onwards, I just felt God gave me the grace to pray for them. And I just started to love them. Just like it says in the Gospel of Matthew, bless those who persecute you and bless those who curse you. So this verse just really spoke into my life at that time. Why do you think that God allows his children to suffer like this? Um, well, there's one verse in the epistle of Peter that says, in order to follow his footsteps, um, he set an example and that is why he suffered. And elsewhere in the epistles, it says that those who want to live in the will of God will suffer. And our suffering in this world is very brief and it passes very quickly. God sees the eternal glory when he looks at us, when he looks at the suffering, it's, it's so small, it's so brief. He focuses on the eternal joy. And God's plan and our plan is to help to defend things. I still believe there's hope for Eritrea and I believe it will be a gospel island. It's for that purpose that God is training his people through suffering. I believe that's what we are experiencing and I believe that what we're going through now is only temporary. So finally, how can Christians in the UK pray for those who remain in prison in places like Eritrea? How can we support them? I think that prisoners have the same burden and the same wishes that I had when I was in prison. How are we going to overcome all this suffering? How are we going to change all of this abuse into profit? That is what I think they need prayer for. God never promised that we will never suffer in this world. He said we will have suffering in this world, but that he has overcome it. I always pray that for them, to have the same grace that sustained me. 
I pray it would sustain them in their suffering. I pray for even more grace so that they could even rejoice. In the book of Hebrews, there's this one verse. It says, when you pray, pray as if you are also suffering with them. So this is what the word says. This is what makes us pray because we are sharing in their suffering as one body of Christ. Their suffering is our suffering. We feel it as if we were all in the same body. That's how the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Twin, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a privilege to hear all that you've shared. Please would you close this podcast for us with a prayer. I would be happy to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We got this opportunity from you, so we give you glory. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to pray for those who are suffering for your name's sake. In the name of Jesus, we are praying. Wherever they are, for each one of them, would you comfort them with your spirit? Strengthen them. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you would be with them by your spirit. Help them to think beyond their mind to see your face. Help them to see the glory that's going to come. Help them to forget their suffering. They are suffering for your name's sake, but they do it with your grace. May your presence fill their lives. I pray that you'll give them light that would overcome the darkness that is surrounding them. I pray that you will be their strength. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for all you are doing to support them and help them. You are going to do more than we can ask and expect. So we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted.